I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Oh, my God and my King. God shall hear and afflict them. 
even he that abideth of old, Salah. That means, that word there means that you should pause and reflect and meditate on what God is saying here. He said, because they have no change, therefore they fear not God. They don't reverence him, they don't worship him. I'd like to focus your attention on because they have no change or changes, because they have no changes. You may be seated, the Lord bless you. I'd like to teach this morning to you about a change of heart, a change of heart. In 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 9, this is the biblical account of a man by the name of Saul. This is the very same Saul that became the first anointed king of Israel. And he was given a, an a assignment. He was told to do something, and it's good when you're told to do something to do it, to be obedient. And so he was given an assignment to go and find some lost animals, beasts of the field that had belonged to his family and they had gotten out of the corral or whatever. And so he went about to catch up with this and get this assignment done. And in, in route, he came across the prophet Samuel. And Samuel spoke to him and giving him some insights to things that Saul never realized or thought could possibly happen in his life. You know, when we come in contact with the truth, when our paths cross, in a, in a manner of speaking, with God's Spirit, we, uh, we're not always realizing what all God has in store and what this momentous meeting of hearts could mean to us. If we uh, got a greater understanding of it, we would, we would grasp it and embrace it and be persuaded of it very quickly. But we, as one place in the Scripture said, we're a little slow of heart. And even some places where people had to be upbraided, they had to be spoken to very sharply because they were um, not comprehending. Their heart wasn't understanding what it was from God's Word that was coming their way. As of course, it would be so much better if we could acknowledge, we could recognize what's happening and, like I said, grasp it quickly. One great example of that, of course, is uh, in the teaching about an individual by the name of Nathaniel and how he was sitting under a fig tree, and I guess he was in the shade and relaxing a little while. And it kind of reminds you of um, the guy that developed Florida. Somebody came to him one day and as he was giving out instructions of what needed to be done, and he said, Boss, he said, it's 120 degrees out there in the shade. And the man answered him and said, don't worry about it. You're not going to be working in the shade. So uh, the work that needs to be done isn't going to get done sitting under our own little shade tree. And th that which we need in our lives is not going to be our pursuits of comfort in the natural. We're not going to realize what we really have need of that way. It's going to take a little of us waking up. It is written awake 
but don't just wake up, but awake to righteousness. And blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Righteousness being defined as God's way of doing things, the right way, according to God's thinking. We want to get in, you know, people talk about taking God or Christ as your personal Savior. You're not going to take him anywhere. You've got to wake up to who's in charge here, who the lawgiver is, who's the one that does the choosing, okay? So you want to get your mind in gear here uh, about who the boss is, okay? And he's going to get you out from under your shade tree, and he's going to speak something to your heart that if you'll wake up to it, then you can be uh, very positively convinced of just who he is. That's what Nathaniel did. He said when, when Jesus spoke out and, and spoke to him, he, he was so convinced just by that little bit of few words that Nathaniel said, Thou art the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Savior. And, of course, Jesus said, Well, if it, that little bit convinced you, uh, guess what? I got a whole lot more for you. A whole lot more in store for people who wake up here to the fact that I've got to give you a change of heart. We're going to get a... Now, your heart defined in the Scripture is not your physical pump. That's your natural heart. You've got to get out of the natural thinking, and you've got to get into the spiritual thinking, okay? And the spiritual thinking in, in the Scripture is going to make you aware, if you will work with it, that your heart is right here between your ears, and that it is the seat of your thoughts and your intellect and along with that it is your emotions all right so we need a change of heart because we are definitely finding ourselves and people all over the earth going in the wrong direction people are pursuing the wrong things Jesus healed ten lepers sent them down the road to show themselves to the authority that they were no longer filled with Leprosy. Now, leprosy was a very evident and obvious disease, a terrible affliction and condition. And, it, you know, you've heard lately about this uh, particular type of bacteria that just eats your flesh. Well, that's not really so much a new thing because that's what leprosy is. And it left people missing parts of their body that this had eaten away. Their fingers would be down to the knuckle and their, their uh, nose would be eaten away and many other terrible things. And they were demanded by the law that they had to cry unclean and they had to keep themselves covered and away from the general population. Uh, so you want to understand something that Jesus stepped into their lives that particular day and he took control of the situation and he sent them and they obeyed what he said. And uh, in so doing, they realized it just in the in the act of going in the right direction that they were healed completely and their leprosy was gone and one of them one of the ten turned back and went back to Jesus worshiping him praising him magnifying him and not magnifying himself but magnifying Jesus and thanking him and worshiping him because he had been completely healed and of course Jesus said well hey he said uh, Glad you came back. You did the right thing, but where's the other nine? Weren't there ten of you? Nine plus one is ten. Where, where's the other nine? Well, the other nine took off in their own pursuits. They 
did not uh, show or demonstrate or manifest a change of heart. This man had already done all those things and gotten himself in a mess and sick and diseased, and now he's had a change of heart because he's had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus has done a work for him, and uh, in his obedience to the words of Jesus, he has been completely healed, and leprosy is a type, a shadow and type of sin. His sins had been taken care of. No greater miracle can ever take place than your sins being completely pardoned, forgiven, sent away, and remembered no more. This change of heart is a necessity. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, and I meant to tell you that Saul went away from the prophet. He gave him and said, God gave him another heart. God just took out that old carnal way of thinking and put in a spiritual way of thinking. He replaced the bad with the good. And that's exactly what the Spirit of the Lord does. In this Old Testament example, under that covenant, here we have a shadow and a type or a foreshowing of what's going to take place, a preview of what's going to take place in the New Testament, in this time in which you and I live, that we can come to the church and we can hear the prophecy, the preaching of God's word, his anointed word, and then we can have a, be given another heart. We can have a change for the good here. We can get the old out. We can get rid of the dirt and the problem and the filth and the, re the rebellion, the disobedience and the pride and so many other works of the flesh. We can be delivered from that, from adultery, from fornication, from witchcraft, from so many evil spirits that take advantage of weak human beings that are carnal by nature and that are easily subjected to the whims of the enemy. But when you come to the truth, when you come to the Word of God, the precious anointed Word of God, then you can leave with another heart. You can have a change of thinking, a change of desire, a change in the pattern, the pattern in which you normally thought now you're going to have a change. You're going to get a new pattern, which means you're going to get a different result. If you change the pattern, then you're going to get a change in your results. If you don't change the pattern, then you're going to have the same results. Same problem, same situation, same falling down, same misery. Same dissatisfaction, same out of favor with God. And you do not want to be out of favor with God. You want to come into favor with Him. So Saul went away with another heart. And he went away with the promise of a brand new life and a brand new calling. 1 Samuel 16 and 7, how important is my change of heart? The Bible said that God looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. Now some people would like to take that verse, so let me qualify they would like to take this verse of 1 Samuel 16 and 7 and say that it does not matter anything on the outward because God looks on the heart. And that's where you make my point real good. Because if we get what the Bible said, to get the inside cleaned up, then the outside is going to reflect that. And so you better remember how important it is that God looks on the heart. Because your scripture teaches that everything is coming from your heart. Okay, every bad thing that you think and do in this life, that you do as a result of what your heart is thinking, that, that everything that you do wrong is coming 
from your heart and God's looking at your heart. God's not hacking away at the branches. He's going to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is the heart. And he goes in there and he makes a change of heart. He's trying to affect a change of heart in us so that we can be called his children and that we can reflect that calling. And that's why it's written that a tree or a person is known by the fruit which they bear. If we're bearing the vile fruit of the works of the flesh, adultery and fornication, witchcraft, rebellion, disobedience, and on and on, if we're producing that, then it shows that our hearts are broken. Our hearts are in a mess and we need a change of heart. What's wrong with that fellow? What's wrong with that woman? Well, something's wrong in their heart. That's where the root of the problem is at. But when there's a change of heart affected by the Spirit of the Lord, then we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. That's not lust. That's love. That's joy. That's peace. That's righteousness and faith and temperance, which is a self-discipline. You begin to discipline yourself. The Holy Ghost produces that in your life so that you will not, like the nine, run off from the truth and, you know, Jesus is the truth. And they ran away from the truth. Uh, what the scriptures say, look in the mirror and, and behold yourself and then straightway go away and forget what you saw. Avoid the responsibility. Avoid the reality of the matter. There is no avoiding, truthfully. There is no avoiding, only for a little season. But in the long run, you can't avoid it. You know, you can't avoid it. I told somebody the other day, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> Oh, friend, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. And everybody is appointed unto that moment when they're going to pass from this life to the next dimension. And you want to be going in an upward direction. You do not want to be descending, okay? You want to be going, and if you want to go in the right direction when you leave this world, then you got to get going in the right direction when you're in this world. Okay, And that's where your scripture tells you and teaches to us that we are not of this world. That's not the spirit that we're of anymore when God makes a change in our heart. So we are not interested in how they do it because we did it that way. We've been there and we've done that and it failed and it failed miserably. Okay, But we've now had and we're going to teach you how to have this change of heart and this New Testament that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. God came in the flesh. And he has a name. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he teaches that that's his name that's above every name. And when he, the invisible, showed himself visibly in the flesh and walked among men and women, boys and girls, he brought to them the opportunity to have a change of heart. One woman was brought did it wrong and the taught caught red handed at it they threw her at his feet and they said the law tells us the old testament tells us that we should stone her what do you say and what he said shut them up what he said caused them to walk out and leave being convicted by their own conscience. And your conscience is that part of your mind that tells you right from wrong. If you've got a good working conscience, it's going to tell you when you're doing it wrong, saying it wrong, thinking it wrong, and acting wrong. Problem is your conscience doesn't have any power until it gets a Holy Ghost. And then your conscience and your Holy Ghost get in agreement about what's right. What's right. 
And then you can do what's right. You can receive power, the Scripture teaches. Power over sin, power over the flesh, power over the spirits that take advantage of the weakness of the flesh and those spirits that you wind up serving and you become enslaved by sin. And Jesus came to make you free. He came to break all the shackles and to cast out all the devils and spirits that can get in your heart, your mind. And he wants to reach in there and cleanse it all and wipe it real clean. And he wants to fill you with his clean, godly, holy spirit that will give to you the desires of your heart afresh and anew. Desire for the right thing. Desire for righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Notice it said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Well, we're going to talk about that. But before we do, Matthew here on your uh, little printout, Matthew 22 and 37, comes from this verse and tells you to love him with all your heart. Okay? Love him with all your heart. Didn't say a part of it. You can't hold back. You hold back, you're going to hold yourself back from what God has for you. It's called in the Bible, to illustrate it one way, fallow ground, unbroken, unplowed reserve. I'm holding this back. Well, Ananias and Sapphira held back in Acts chapter 5, and you see the results of that. Because one, you, people wind up adding the Bible teaches sin to sin. And so, you know, sneakiness and cunningness and lying and stealing it all, one spirit comes after another. Them, but They whistle. I can't whistle real loud like that, but I don't know if anybody can. If you can, you have permission to do it right now. Thank you. And so the old devil gives a whistle like that, and seven more join him, and he heads out to your house. And he wants to get in your heart, okay? And he brings all his buddies when he whistles. And the Bible teaches that. A devil gets casted out. He don't like that. So he walks through dry places and finding no rest. He goes and gets seven more just like him. And he heads right on back. Now, my book, seven plus one is eight. And I hope you believe that. Or we're going down to the academy and help you out. Okay, seven plus one is eight. And them eight devils, they come in there and they come in a spiritual force. They want to get into your life. They want to rule. They want to enslave. They want to drive you to do all the wrong things. Okay, but Jesus, Jesus came to change that. And he said, you got to love me with all of your heart. You can't hold back here. You've got to just, that's what happened to the fellow that came and said, good master, what? must I do? I like the word must. What is necessary? What is the commandment here? What is required for me to have eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and said, well, you know the commandments. And he said, keep them. And the, and the young man said, well, and he was, the Bible said he had a lot of possessions. And he said, well, he said, uh, I have done them from my youth and up. I've been doing that a long time. I've thought to do that and I've been doing that a long time. And so the Bible said that Jesus felt a, a godly love and affection towards the individual. And he told him, you're not far from the kingdom of God, he said. So let me tell you what you need to do. And he said, you need to go and sell all that you have. Sell out and come and follow me. Now, the, the teaching there that you want to get is that those things that you hold dear those things that are occupying your time, that which you are living for, that which you are pursuing, your ambitions, okay? Things that you constantly be going to and being involved with and your whole life is caught up in these things. He's telling you to set that down, lay that down, sell out of that. Say, I, I want to get my priority right. I really don't need those things and I don't even want to want those things. I want to want to love God with all of my heart. 
help me Lord here to get my emotions and my thoughts in an alignment here to where I set them on you and heavenly things things that are above and if that young man would have done that then he wouldn't have gone away in a disobedient fashion holding back and going into the continuing in the lifestyle that he'd been living and gone away sorrowful at that when all the while if he'd only known that Jesus was saying what you give up I'm going to replace it with better things and I'm going to bless you a hundredfold in this life and in the world to come life eternal you're not going to come out on the short end of the stick here Psalm 55 and 29 tells us that the root of the problem is because there are no changes. You got to have a change here. Everybody has to have a change. Okay? Now, everybody, once again, they want to think about going to heaven sometimes. And anybody ever ask them, sure, sure, I'm planning on going to heaven. And, uh, and of course, in, in saying that, they um, are also thinking that I'm, I'm going to go to heaven and and, uh, but they're not thinking about what it takes to get there, what the requirement is, what is necessary. But they're also thinking about, well, you know, um, there's going to be a change to go to heaven because I can't go in my flesh because the kingdom of God, flesh cannot inherit that. There is no flesh in heaven. That's why people who tell you that, that a second person of a so-called trinity came down from heaven is absolutely out of their mind. There is no scripture for that, okay? None whatsoever. There's no flesh in heaven. The Spirit came and robed himself in flesh, and he did it by speaking the word over an obedient vessel by the name of Mary, and his spoken word saying, let there be, there was. And that which was conceived in her, there was no fornication going on, that which was conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Why is it so difficult? Really it is because it's a revelation, and you got to get your heart changed to believe the Word of God. When He made it simple and clear, there is but one God, and you're to love Him with all your heart. And that one God is a spirit, John 4 and 24. And that one God came in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16. God, who is a spirit, was manifest or shown clearly in the flesh. All right? So it's not really difficult. Don't fight it. Don't let tradition rule in your mind. Don't let things that you've heard over and over and over again rule in your mind. Just because you've heard it over and over again does not make it right. Because, you know, man's going to earn his keep by the sweat of his, no, face. But you've heard brow, not here, but you've heard brow many, many, many times. Is that big and significant in itself and isolated? No, it's not that big a shmeal. But what makes it big is that that happens with many important scriptures. And they become false doctrines. And they lead people astray and they keep hearts in a mess. You want to get your heart to where God can open it to give you the open heart surgery you are in need of, to give you the truth, to fix all the clogged valves and repair all the weak muscles. He's going to give you another heart, not a weak heart that does whatever the devil wants, not a heart that's got an aorta and all kinds of other vessels, blood vessels and arteries that are clogged with all kinds of fat and grease of sin. He's going to clean all that out. He's going to give you another heart cleanse you so we want to we want to love God 
And we want to understand that Hebrews 7 and 12 tells us, because the root of the matter is that they have no changes. There's no changes going on. Just the same old, same old. Come and, come and claim Jesus. Come, and, come and, and shout around and dance around and say this and say that, you know. But then go right out and do the same filthy, nasty garbage. Okay? Because there's no changes, he said. Then, there, then there's no worship. There's no reverence. There's no fear before God. And we want to change that. We want to get that changed. I don't want my worship to be witchcraft. You know, when you're worshiping in rebellion to God's word, that's what witchcraft is. That's what your Bible teaches. Okay? Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So we don't, we don't want to offer the wrong thing unto God. And that can happen because there's no changes. Just doing the same old thing. Same old patterns. Okay? Falling into the same pothole and the same abyss. Being led by the wrong spirit. Okay? So we, we, we realize here that there's a problem because... There's no changes. So we're asking God to make a change. I need you to make a change, God. I need you to make a change in me. Never mind the guy next to you or the girl next to you. Yourself. Remember, you point the finger at somebody, three more pointing back at you, right? So you just get your mind on you, all right? And you talk to God and you tell God, I need you to change me for the good here. And God only changes for the good. So we don't even really need to qualify that. When I pray and say, God, let something good happen to him, God knows exactly what I'm saying. That means something spiritual, something in the spiritual realm will, will affect a good change in somebody's life, all right? Because that's what God does. He's a good God. He's the Savior. He's the healer. He's the Redeemer. He walks into your old messed up, nasty situation, and as Luke said, as he read it right there that day in the church house, opened the, they gave him the Bible, the Word of God. Uh, it was their custom to let somebody read, and so he, he, Jesus the Christ, opened it, and he began to read, and he was reading about himself. He was reading why that flesh was there and what the Spirit in him was to do. The difference was he had the Spirit to the fullness. I don't have it to the fullness. I have the gift of the Holy Ghost, and that's what you can have. So that's why I'm not God. Is that a revelation to you? I'm not. Okay. I know I'm always right, but I'm still not God. I'm always right because God's right. Okay. And I'm just trying to do it his way. You know the little slogan around here, right? Senior pastor is right. That's how you know your right hand. Senior pastor is right. That's how we teach the children. All right. Okay. So I want you to understand that Jesus read that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him to anoint him and to bind up the broken hearted. He wants to fix your heart. He wants to give you what the Bible teaches, a new heart. He wants to make it all new. We had a woman that had um, a kidney problem, a very serious kidney problem, and she was going to die. Uh, they were, she only had one kidney, and she was going to die without that kidney, and, and she, it takes a long, long time on the donor list. And um, so we had prayer for her, and God healed her. When the doctor uh, examined her, her kidney, he said, you have the kidney of a newborn child. Okay? So my God, my God knows how to give you a new heart. He can take your messed up, crumpled up, worn out, used out, used up heart, and he can make it all new. And I'm talking about right here, right here. He can bind up that broken heart, and he can open the prison and get you out of there. The spirits that imprison you, that you find yourself subject to. Okay? And God is looking, and God sees that there's no changes. God says, we got to have a change. We have to make a change here. 
if we're going to be successful, if we're going to make heaven, if we're going to get what I started to say in making heaven, you're going to, you're going to get a change in your body. You're going to get rid of this vile piece of flesh, what's called this body of death, and you're going to get a glorified body, a brand new body. Isn't that nice? That's when you step on the scale and you weigh exactly the right weight. Oh, I'm looking forward to that body. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, Lord. All right. So John 3 and 5, Jesus has come now. He has manifest himself in the flesh, and he has grown in grace and knowledge and favor, and he has um, getting ready to begin his earthly ministry. And the time has come, and teaching is going forth. And he begins, he's approached by a man, a man that is very learned, has a lot of education. That doesn't matter, but it just happened to be the case that the Bible tells you about. This individual was like a Supreme Court judge of his time. And he came to Jesus and acknowledged, we know, we, we've been talking, and we know. You know, it's nice when people are talking about spiritual things and not gossiping. You know what the gossip's big problem in life is? Let me hurry up and tell you this before I find out it's not true. Okay? So maybe you ought to get your facts straight before you, you know what the Abraham Lincoln said, don't you? He said, uh, better to be thought, I'll use the word ignorant, than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Okay? So sometimes it pays to keep it shut and learn a little bit more about what's happening, okay? Or better yet, just to focus on self and get self in line with God, okay? Because if you're not careful, you'll become subject to a spirit that will constantly feed you with the wrong things. And then he'll have you acting on that wrong 411, and you'll just, he'll just be made a fool of by the enemy. And that's exactly what an individual that kicked back put his feet up and said, okay. He said, man, my barn is full. I got so much. He said, I'm just going to tear it down, and I'm going to build a bigger one. And the angel of the Lord visited him that night and said, Thou fool, this night thy soul is required of thee. So what does it profit us if we gain the whole world and lose our soul? And the young man that walked away sorrowful, well, he, he was really sorry. Believe me, he was a sorry joker, and he's going to wound up very sorrowful in the long run because he esteemed things of this world more important than things of the world to come. So he's not going to get a change there affect a good change in his heart here and consequently he's not going to make it to heaven people who continue in his pattern and his lifestyle we want to learn the lessons that things that are set in the bible they're there for our example and it's 10 after 11 wow where did it go okay everybody said praise the lord so we know that thou art a teacher come from god no man can do the miracles that you're doing Nobody can affect this kind of thing. Wow, man, you've got our attention. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you the truth. Truly, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, you must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom of God. And he said, well, now I'm really confused, sir. Uh, how do I do that? Do I enter the second time in a mother's womb? Not if mama has anything to say about it. You don't. And be born again? And Jesus said, Truly, I'm going to tell you the truth again, man. He said, you, have, you must. It's, a necess it's, it's necessary. It's a necessity. It's a requirement. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit, or you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. 
And he said, don't bother marveling about it. Don't look at me with them big old eyeballs of yours. He said, I'm telling you the truth, and you need to learn about it. You're supposed to know something. You claim you know something. You're a little bit on the know-it-all side, as a matter of fact. And he, and he said, and I'm just telling you the very beginning of things. How am I going to speak to you about the bigger picture of things? You know. So, again, Hebrews 7 and 12 teaches us that there is certain things take place in the kingdom of God and of a necessity to change. There's got to be of necessity a change. The necessity of what, where we want to go and who we want to spend eternity with necessitates, requires a change in us because flesh is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So it brings us back to we need a change of heart. How do I get a change of heart? You get born again off water. That means you get baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And it's for the full pardon of all of your sins. Now you go down to that courthouse and you got a bad driving record and they're getting ready to take your license away for five years being a habitual offender you got a bad habit you know and he's just ready to take away your license for five years looking at you and calling you a, an habitual offender he's got the file open it's got your name on it it's got all your traffic convictions all the way back to you started driving you know and you got to understand you're standing before the judge and the judge says i'll tell you what if you do thus and so I'm going to wipe your slate clean. I'm going to take everything out of this file and let you start fresh. Now, you're going to argue with that? I heard the band director from Pahokee. One day I let my renewal tag slip, and I didn't get it renewed. Or I got it renewed, and I didn't put it on the license tag, whichever it was. And man called me and just said, well, and I didn't even have my license on me that day. My wife had my license, believe it or not. I gave her my wallet. And I got separated from her, and here I got nailed. And so he said, look, it's okay. He said, just go to court. He said, a computer shows you have a license. He said, you have to go show it and show your registration, and you will be fine. So I, I'm, I'm going in there, you know, and I'm waiting, and here's the bailiff, and the bailiff knows me, and he waves at me, and I wave at him, and he said, what are you here for? And I said, well, I told him what I was there for. And he said, well, look, he said, uh, where's your vehicle? I said, I said, right out here. He said, well, show me your license. Show him your license. He said, show me your license tag. I showed him the license tag, and he saw the new sticker on there. And he said, come on in. I got you covered. And so when it came my time, this band director was in front of me. And, and uh, the judge, lady judge, right down the street, you know, and she says, um, I think she's the daughter of the judge that used to be the judge who's now dead. And um, she said, she said um, to the band director, she said, you have, you have a clean jacket. You have no offenses whatsoever. I don't even remember what he did wrong. But she said, if you want to keep this record clean, then you're going to have to sing the Pahokee fight song for me. I want you to know that this guy, I guess, is what he does for a living, right? And he looked, and he got embarrassed, and he got humiliated, and, and, and he couldn't open his mouth. And I'm behind him. I wanted to give him a kick right in the rear end and tell him, what are you, what are you hesitating about? Just sing! <laughs> and you go out of here with no ticket, no fine, and nothing in your record. Are you nuts? Why are you hesitating? Do not get the judge upset with you. And she finally... Let him know in no certain terms. He was, he was about to get it. So he finally kind of sang it and talked it. He's talking about stubborn to the end. Brother, he got out of the way, and the judge got me. And the bailiff, he said, Judge, he's okay. I've already checked his license, and I've already checked his, his renewal tag. He's fine. And she said, okay. She said, good thing. She said, because I was about to have you sing. And I said, Your Honor. If you have me sing, everybody in this courthouse is going to leave. 
<laughs> but uh, you know I didn't argue with the lady I tried a little godly humor and it seemed to work and I went out of there happy as, as all get out well I'm trying to tell you something God is the judge of all what do you want to fuss with him when all you got to do is be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ get your jacket clean get a full remission and then he's going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost and effect a change of heart so you'll have power over sin, you can live for him. You can live for him. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. You can be seated for just a moment. Our students are coming in. And um, you're going to have to slide down, ladies, because we have a whole class coming in. Thank you. All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. Acts 2.38 tells you to repent. Jesus made it clear, except you repent. That means you've got to get a change of heart and a change of pattern. That's the beginning of the change of heart or showing that you're having a change of heart. You will then begin to repent, okay? You're changing your pattern, your way of thinking, your way of living. And then, of course, in, uh, he went on to say, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Acts 3.19 tells you to repent ye therefore and be converted. Be changed. Be changed. You don't want to go back to doing the same things you were doing before you started to come to God and His church and His Word. Okay? Uh-uh. I don't do that anymore. When I first um, started reading the Bible and I went to my first service and I uh, worked for a man that owned, was a builder. He owned a lot of properties and he would built a, uh, a brand new shopping plaza and he got me a job there and I was uh, working there and I was working construction. I worked two jobs. There wasn't a lot of work, so half a day at each. And um, matter of fact, at one time I worked five jobs. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. And I made a whole dollar an hour on that graveyard shift. I left, though I quit when they finally said they were going to take taxes out of that dollar. I said, forget it. I'm out of here. <laughs> that's just, that's the last straw. So um, when I was working two jobs, and I know that's hard for you to imagine. I know what, the, what you make nowadays, right? But anyway, I, um, I said to, uh, to the guy that uh, I was washing the windows. They just built the plaza. We were just putting in the store. And I'm washing the windows. He said, I'm going to make you manager. He said, uh, I'm going to pay you this much money a week. It was more money than I'd been making. It was great. You know, it all looked good, you know. And I'd come in at, at around 1 o'clock, and I'd work till around 7 o'clock. And so I'm washing the windows, getting the place ready to open up, grand opening. And the Lord speaks to me. Now, here I am, little Ned in the first reader. I don't know anything. I'm just reading the Bible. I just got baptized in Jesus' name. I'm just happy. I'm very happy and very excited. I'm telling everybody about this experience and coming to church and you know, and so I'm washing the window and I'm singing some new Holy Ghost song I learned because I'm not listening. And I worked. This was a music store. I was surrounded by all kinds of bad music, but I wasn't listening to music. I see. I was. I had a change. And see, I used to fall asleep between the speakers with the wrong kind of music going. Okay, that's the way I. That was. I was going to all those concerts and all those different things. I was just lost as all get out and following all the lifestyle. But I. I had a change of heart. So you see, I went home to my closet and I got all the, the, the rubber shirts and the plastic pants and the boot around my neck and I threw all that out. I got rid of all that junk. I took all those, I know you don't know what records are, but they're like big CDs, okay? CDs like this, records were like this, okay? And um, that's why they called them long playing, I guess. But uh, 
I took all them things, man. I have no idea how much money I invested. And I chucked every one of them out. I got rid of all that stuff. All kinds of things I threw it because I had a change of heart. I wasn't going to live that way anymore. I wasn't going to do those things anymore. And people begin to recognize that what's up with him. And then I'd get to say, I just got baptized in Jesus' name. You know, I remember a, I know I got to quit. I remember I was in college for a little bit, and um, my wife and I were so poor, we had moved so many times. And uh, one day I uh, got a letter that caught up with me. I wasn't dodging anybody. I just was moving a lot. And uh, so I get this letter catches up with me. I read it, and it's from a college professor who I felt in my mind that it was a judgment call that uh, he had ran into my car. But he felt like I ran into his car. Okay, so difference of opinion. Anyway, he pursued it doggedly, and he finally caught up with me. And so now I'm baptized in Jesus' name. You know, now I'm happy, and woo! So I just marched right down there to the college, and I sat down with him, and he said, you owe me $100. He said, you're the most movingest guy I know. And I said, well, I said, you know what? I just want to put it on record. I said, I believe you were at fault, not me. But when he started to open his mouth, I said, but... I said, I'm now baptized in Jesus' name. And I go to the church down the street, and he goes, what church is that? Guy named Dunn? I said, yeah, Pastor Dunn, Apostolic Church. He said, oh, okay. I said, yeah, so anyway, I'm going to pay you. I said, now I'm going to pay you a little alone, but I'm going to pay you off. And I paid him off. I paid that bill. I had a, I had a change of heart. And, brother, he'd heard something, and he knew about something. And he got to see the fruit of it right there. That no longer was I rebellious. I'll tell you what, if he'd have said anything to me in the parking lot, we'd have gone to Fifth City right there. That would have been the end of it because I felt very right that day. <laughs> and that's just how I operated in those days. But now, now things have changed. Now i got to change your heart. So we're going to prayer city now. And my God's going to give me the money to pay you off and make it right. And you're going to see this fruit in my life, fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. All right. So we're, musicians are coming, and uh, the choir can come, and everybody else can sit down, and I'll try to quit. I want to tell you in conclusion, though, that uh, Romans to Revelation is uh, there once you get this change of heart by being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Romans to Revelation, now that you're saved, that's what saves you. What saves you is being baptized in Jesus' name and being filled with the Holy Ghost. That is the plan of salvation. That is when you can say, I'm saved. When you've been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Born again of water and of the Spirit. Okay? That's when you can say, I'm saved. And Romans to Revelation is kind of what we're doing right here this morning. That's what keeps you saved. You get out of the, you get a change of heart. You get out of the mud and the slime and the garbage, and you want to stay out of it. Okay? And then you want to save others. You'll have a drive and a burden to save others, to bring the message to them. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's get saved. Yes. It stay saved and it save others. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said amen. 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 You want my mic on, man? Praise the Lord.
my heart was aching, filled with misery. Till you came along and you set me free. You took my life and you made it brand new. And I want the world to know that it was because of you I won't forget. I won't forget. I save me. I save me. I won't. I won't forget. I live with me. I live with me. I won't. I won't forget. I heal me. I heal me. I won't. I won't forget. I won't get or know what you done for me. What you done for me. What you done for me. I won't forget. My hopes ain't yet filled with misery. Till you came along and you set me free. You took my life and you made it brand new. And I want the world to know that it was just you. I won't forget. I won't forget. I save me, I save me, I won't forget. I deliver me, deliver me, I won't, I won't forget. I heal me, I heal me, I won't, I won't forget. I won't forget or know what you've done for me. What you've done for me, what you've done for me. I won't forget. My heart was aching in a world of sin. I had no joy, but I had no peace within Until you came alone and turned my life around And I want the world to know that they got to help me out I won't forget I won't forget I save me I save me I won't I won't forget I deliver me Deliver me I won't I won't forget I heal me I heal me I won't I won't forget I won't forget or know what you done for me. What you done for me? What you done for me? I won't forget. My heart was taken in a world of sin. I had no joy, but I had no peace within. Until you came along and turned my life around. I want the world to know that they gonna help out. I won't forget. I won't forget. I save me, I save me, I won't, I won't forget. I deliver me, deliver me, I won't, I won't forget. I heal me, I heal me, I, I won't forget. I won't forget or know what you've done for me. What you've done for me, what you've done for me. I won't forget. You turn my life around. Thank God I'm heaven bound. You thought too much of me. Oh! 
won't go for Time with the minute prepare. Everybody say, God bless the offering in Jesus' name. God bless the offering in Jesus' name.
hearts with our hands and love him. Thank you, dear Lord. I give you praise and glory and honor. I thank you for this beautiful and wonderful truth, this great message from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Lord. Thank you, dear God. Revelation 3, listen to what it said. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not Thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, I counsel thee, this is God's counsel, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white remnant, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. And then he said, I'm talking to you like this because as many as I love, he said, I rebuke and chasten. He said, be zealous, therefore, get with it and repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. That knocking on your head, that's, that's God. He's knocking. Knocking at the door. If any man, well, that means any person, hear my voice and open the door, he said, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. This very morning, you want to see your heart like God sees it. 
And God looks on the heart. And you don't want to be standing around saying, I'm just fine, I'm okay, and be self-righteous. You want to tell the Lord, I see what you're seeing, and I know then what you know. And I, I realize, Lord, that I'm in great need here this morning. And the Lord is saying, fine, I've got the answer to your need. He's telling you, you go ahead and open that door of your heart because I'm knocking. And he said, and I'm knocking in a manner that I want to come in and bring every good thing with me. I'm going to bring supper. I'm going to bring dinner. I'm going to bring lunch. I'm going to bring breakfast. I'm going to bring midnight snack. going to bring the picnic. going to bring it all. Everything you have need of, I will supply all of your need according to my riches in glory. You let me come in. Don't fight me. Don't resist me. Don't put up a self-righteous shield. You just go ahead and tell and cough it up that you have great need. And he said, I see all that wretchedness and you think you're so cool. I see it as a miserable situation. And I want you to start looking at things spiritually. Start looking at things through the eyes of God. And that's the reality. Quit the denying. Quit the fantasy land here and get your mind in gear and say, oh Lord, woo, I need you. I need this great gift of the Holy Ghost. I need to be baptized in Jesus' name and get all my dirt washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Come on, Lord. He's knocking this morning. Come on. You tell him, I want you to effect a great work in my heart. I want you to save me, deliver me, pull me out of the mud and the misery. Pull me out of all the junk that's got a hold of me, Lord. Set me free from every spirit of the enemy and give me the good, clean, godly, holy gift of the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's lift our hearts with our hands and love him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on now. This altar's open. You come this morning. Come seeking righteousness. Come looking for a change of heart. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord. That old devil tells you nobody knows. God knows. And you'd be surprised how many people know. You better open that door of your heart and ask God to flush it out. Get all that garbage out of there. Make a good change. God is telling you we need to make a change here. Change in your heart. A change for the good. Oh, yes, Lord. Come on now. Yeah. Holy Savior, Holy Savior. Thank you, Lord. Never let me go. Come on, Lord. I lay it all down again. To hear you say that I'm your friend. Lord, you are my desire. And no one else will do. Nothing else could take your place. To feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me
draw me home. 